All right. Well, hi guys. Uh, as Neil said, I'm Ruben Langdon. Thank you. Probably know that because you're here. Thanks for being here. Um, so I'd like today to get into the topic of, of ETs. What is an ET? Uh, start to define it a little bit more and then share some of the insights that I've received from doing uh, this investigation in this realm for over a decade now. Um, some of you I've already mentioned in the comments, but back in 2013, I produced, co-produced the event, the Citizen Hearing on Disclosure, which was a five-day mock trial, mock congressional hearing with uh, six former members of Congress and over uh, 40 witnesses, ex-military government folks, um, researchers, all the big names that you already know, Linda Moulton Howell, Richard Dolan, Stanton Freeman, the late Stanton Freeman, uh, the late Roger Lear. We had, uh, it was just an amazing event with a lot of information insights on the evidence-based side of the ET phenomenon and how our government's been sort of covering that up. Since then, I uh, got into trying to research and do more, do more research and try to understand the phenomenon more. And when you look at the evidence side of things, it's really just one aspect. Uh, I started talking to a lot of contactees and people who uh, made claims that they'd been on the ships. And following that rabbit hole, I came across the phenomenon of channeling, which uh, many of you are probably aware of. And I started my show, uh, Interview with Ed, which is now on the Gaia Network and we're in season two. And uh, we'll see if a season three comes out or not. Um, I'm, I'm kind of, working on that, but a uh, guy hasn't committed. So maybe, maybe uh, you guys can, can help me out by messaging them and letting them know that you want a season three. Um, so it was during those conversations during, with these uh, people who channel ETs is where I started really getting deep into understanding the phenomenon, understanding uh, what it, what's, what our reality is and and they sort of filled in all of the missing pieces that the uh, evidence-based stuff research that I had been doing couldn't fill in uh, it was it was it was remarkable actually that the all the evidence stuff and the contactees laid out a nice clear uh, groundwork uh, for for this type of research but within that groundwork there was lots of holes and then just like a perfect puzzle um, the channeled stuff just filled all that in and got me uh, the, the understanding I have today which is constantly expanding constantly de uh, developing and, and then evolving so um, so here I am today to share uh, some of these insights, some of this knowledge uh, that over a decade of research uh, has come to fruition here. Uh, the, I'm trying to see, let's see, where did Neil, he told me about the, I'm trying to go into the is it chats, Q&A, there it is. All right, so I don't have a full like um, presentation. I have a presentation sort of uh, prepare, but not a PowerPoint, because I, I like to interact with the audience and kind of gauge where they're at, because sometimes I can go a little too, too far, too fast and go over people's heads. Uh, or 
maybe the audience might be, uh, it might be boring if I'm going too slow. So I really would like you guys to uh, give me feedback and ask questions during this, this process. And my first question for you guys is, do you believe in ETs? And I would probably assume the answer is yes. That's why you're here. Um, but I, what I want to do, what I want to say is with that, with that belief, with that idea, uh, it's going to vary from person to person. And, but what I guess the unifying uh, part of that is that we, we all have this curiosity. And my good friend, Jeremy Corbell, who, who uh, was the director for the Bob Lazar film, if you haven't seen it, go see it, it's amazing. Um, he, he was also on Rogan with Lazar and David Fravor, and he's, he's deep into the evidence-based stuff. And he has this great saying called weaponized, he says, weaponize your curiosity. And I think what the idea or the belief of ETs, what it does is it really weaponizes our curiosity. It, it allows us to start digging and start going deep. And that's what happened to me back in 2007 uh, when I started, when I had my first sighting and started um, sort of had that, that red pill moment. And I want to share and use that. I want to share you guys to use that as, as a weapon to go further down these rabbit holes to really understand the whole function of reality and the phenomenon. And we'll call it the phenomenon because I think it goes beyond ETs. Not that I think I know it goes beyond ETs. And when I first started researching, I was like, uh, ETs are real, but mermaids, fairies, uh, you know, uh, gnomes, and those, those things are all fake. Those are just fairy tales that people, uh, you know, made up or whatever. But ETs are real. And the further I went down this path to try to understand what is an ET, the more I got to understand that, well, all of it is sort of an ET including the gnomes and the fairies and the elves and, and all of these other uh, phenomenon that we, uh, that we associate as just out there stuff. So <clears throat> just reading some of the uh, questions here. So using that tool that you now have of curiosity, uh, we can go down this rabbit hole of trying to understand what's happening here. And what, what I've come to understand is that it's going to be a different understanding for each person based on their belief structures. And, but, and we're, I kind of use this triad here, beliefs, I don't know if you guys can see this. Can you see this? Kind of go over here with it. Thoughts and emotions. This is kind of the triad that creates uh, us 
each each one an individual this this triad creates our vibrational frequency which i'm sure you guys have heard a million times if you've been into this stuff nikola tesla he sort of says uh his famous quote if you want to understand the the world uh or the universe think in terms of uh, energy vibration and frequency uh, maybe we've got that out of order a little bit but um we are vibrational beings everything in the universe is vibrating at a certain harmonic and our thoughts emotions and beliefs are the sort of the roots or the baseline of what create our vibrational frequency and they're constantly shifting you know uh, as bashar says a billion times a second um, but our baseline beliefs uh, allows us to sort of experience this world, this reality uh, through a specific lens. And that's where, that's why I say this phenomenon is going to be uh, manifested in a different way for each and every, for each and every single one of us. Uh, we have a, we have collective beliefs. If you subscribe to a certain uh, religion or uh, right now on the news or on TV and our societies and cultures, we sort of have these base beliefs that we subscribe to or we don't subscribe to. And we're seeing the UFO belief system sort of uh, work its way into our modern day uh, story. Uh, storyline, which is, uh, as we can see, as I just mentioned, David Fravor and the Tic Tac UFO. Uh, Jeremy Corbell is doing an amazing job of really um, knocking on that that collective wall to instill or do an inception moment with the collective belief system around the ET phenomenon. And of course, we have films and television to explain to sort of give us ideas. Uh, oh, maybe they're bad or they're evil and they're going to come and attack us. That's not really helping um, the situation in, 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 uh, in my opinion, but it is helping in just the idea that there's something outside of this physical reality we call the earth experience that we can start to connect to. And um, the thoughts and the emotions come from our belief structure. So based on that uh, specific belief structure, we start to think about these things. We start to then feel emotions about these things, which then allows us to experience things in a specific way. Now, some people might say, well, I, you know, I never believed in ETs or UFOs, and then I had this experience. Um, subconsciously, though, there are specific uh, beliefs that may be unconscious th that have been melded through our um, through our DNA through our again and through our experiences with uh, different uh, with our parents and different religions and these kinds of things so um, it can happen without us being fully aware of it I think uh, you know, Carl Jung and his work in the dream state, if when you look at these things that, that happen sort of out of nowhere, um, you're like, what, how did that happen? What is that for? When you go and you do some deep subconscious work, um, unconscious work, <laughs> uh, working with this 
other, these other deeper aspects of, of, of the self, then we can find that there is sort of a connection and a through line. So um, that's why the, uh, the, the definition of this phenomenon it can be all over the place. It's because we have a, a large world with seven different people, seven billion different people with different ideas and different ways of thinking. And what we're trying to do is unify the, this idea of an ET um, so everyone can sort of have a basic understanding of what it is. However, until we get that unified um, projection, I think it's going to manifest itself uh, for different people in different ways. Now I'm seeing in the chat, I'm seeing different, uh, all kinds of things, but I'm also seeing, okay, here we go in the Q and a, um, so what are ways that individuals can contact ETs? What ET species are welcoming, opening, being contact into? So great. That's let's go there next. So when it comes to, uh, contact, and contact work. This is something that I've been uh, adamant about in the past couple of years. I just got back from uh, Arizona doing a contact retreat with Lisa Royale, who has, has been in my series quite a bit. Um, and she does amazing uh, contact seminars. She used to work with, with uh, Dr. Stephen Greer, and she was part of his uh, CE5 team in the early days. So, and she's developed her own protocols in addition to uh, the, the sort of the traditional, more well-known Greer CE5 protocols. And what we're finding through this contact work, through her, her version of the contact work, uh, what this experience we just had in, in Arizona, is it's not lights in the sky. It's not necessarily um, the typical UFO, um, the idea of a UFO flying through the air and uh, flashing some lights and maybe landing or not landing or hovering or doing what it's thing. Uh, um, yes, Lisa Royalt. So what we uh, experienced and what I've talked about in the show a little bit is it can manifest itself in many different ways. And this last weekend, what, or two weekends ago, what we experienced was uh, more of what most people would probably think of like a ghost phenomenon. And her, her she has a couple of uh, ET beings, uh, one from Sirius and one from the Pleiades that she works with pretty closely. Uh, she's able to connect to in the channeling state. And what they were able to do is help because they're, you know, thousands of years more advanced, if not millions, than we are. And they have more awareness technologies, um, uh, however you want to, you know, define that term technology. I, I use it lightly because it's not necessarily like a flying saucer technology, but a spiritual technology um, where they're able to connect us to a group of people in that same land that we were work, doing the work, contact work in uh, for in 500 years into the future. And what we experienced was, um, first of all, this strange cloud formation started to form and temperatures started dropping, but in pockets. It was really, uh, some people described a, um, 
almost like a, a cold freeze when it was 90 degrees outside, uh, two people really felt um, a very, very sudden drop in temperature. Um, I saw things coming uh, out of the corner of my eyes. I saw actual people or uh, what appeared to be a, a humanoid um, walking in the shadows. And um, many people said we all sat in meditation and I also got the guidance to start doing a, um, some Qigong and breath work to create a, um, a field, so to say, to, to help grid the area, which I, you know, this wasn't even spoken about during the retreat uh, or during this, this experience. I just got, sort of got the, uh, the intuition to start doing that. And it turned out uh, afterwards or during it that there was that kind of stuff from the other side. Uh, these people from the future were doing a similar type of energy work to create the portal. So just using that as an example, that this uh, phenomenon can come and create uh, doorways in, in all different ways. And we can connect to future versions of ourselves. We can connect to uh, other ET races and we can connect to other realms. Uh, for example, the fairy realm or um, the, the, you know, mermaids and these kinds of things that I mentioned, unicorns even. Um, and they, because it all, uh, as we've heard so many times, uh, time and space is an illusion, and it's really about harmonics and frequency that we can traverse these realms and get from one place to another, uh, not necessarily with a craft. And as we go deeper into um, understanding the phenomenon, I think we're going to redefine uh, collectively what an ET is. Um, I certainly have myself going from just lights in the sky and beings in a craft flying around to now understanding that it, it's a whole gamut, all of it, all of this, all of these different types of phenomenon are um, interlinked and interwoven uh, from the dream state to the actual uh, awakened state to psychedelic states with uh, um, using plant medicine, sacred plant medicines and doing those, that kind of work. So, um, oh yeah, speaking of unicorns, that's, uh, that's a, <laughs> me on a unicorn. Um, so I'm gonna look here into the questions uh, and just sort of gauge where we're at uh, with everybody. Does anybody have anything to comment or question on based on where we're going with this? Synchronicity, uh, yes, psilocybin can be a great tool for contact. However, uh, it is a tool and be very cautious because the, um, so since it's been brought up, since I just mentioned plant medicines and this type of work, um, we, we can use, um, oh, there it is. Okay, I needed to scroll down. Um, we can use plant medicines uh, to make contact in our um, sort of in our mental body or in our in an etheric way uh, because it, it's again shifting the frequency uh, just as I was saying with Nikola Tesla's quote we're actually using an outside substance to help us shift the frequency 
uh, and they can be great uh, tool, but they must be used responsibly because when you're opening that door, it's a two-way pump. It, you can open it going uh, in, in all sorts of directions. So it requires a lot of focus and attention to make sure you're opening the right doors. Um, the the uh, plant medicines are sort of, you know, they just blow all the doors open and then you have to walk through the right ones. Um, otherwise, if not, you can really open yourself up to some negative energies. And uh, yes, intention uh, is critical. And in addition to attention, I wanna use the word I just picked up, um, well, we'll skip over that actually. It's gonna be a real complicated. So, but yes, absolutely use intention, using meditation, uh, typically using uh, traditional indigenous shamanic um, ways of going into these uh, sacred medicine circles is, uh, in my opinion, sort of the safest and best way because the shamans who use these plant medicines uh, are experienced. They've, they've traversed these realms. Psychonauts is, is, a, is a term we've used in our collective. Um, they know the realms, they know the energies, they can feel and read, get a reading on these things, and they can help guide you to do the specific work that you need to be doing or connect to the beings that will help you in your uh, evolution, uh, as opposed to latch onto you and bog you down, which is uh, quite possible. You know, this it's it, even though I talk about fairies and unicorns and mermaids and all of this uh you know happy stuff ets with higher vibrational frequencies there's a whole gamut of the other spectrum out there that we can definitely open ourselves up to uh without the proper focus and intention uh, and frequency so the best way to make sure that you're connecting to um, beings of higher uh, frequency is to raise your own frequency and is to do the internal work and um, plant medicines and shamanic um, practices are a great way to, to sort of do that work. Um, and I would, I would suggest doing some internal work before you even decide to go and make contact. Uh, make sure you're, you're uh, in a clean energy field. And, that, and there's all sorts of tools and practices to do that. Nature is a great way to do that. Um, different energetic spots of the planet, uh, ley lines and these kinds of things. We can't hear you, he says. Uh, we can hear you fine now. Okay, maybe my internet was a little goopy. Um, so, yes, so anyways, uh, using, there's all sorts of tools, in, including um, the actual earth and nature and grid work. Uh, there's a lot of, um, power spots or portals all over the planet that, these, that tend to be sacred spots from the indigenous, even uh, a lot of churches have been built on top of these um, sacred spots. And that's why they, they're considered you know, holy places. Um, and you can use those to actually help with the contact work because of the energetic fields that they create, they create portals into these other realms. And um, 
so that's that's other other ways you can use uh, let's see tibetans moving things with their horns metal okay um yeah harmonics um are definitely that's what we're all made of we're made of, of vibrational frequencies cymatics uh, i'm sure some of the other speakers here have gone deep into that um okay somebody wanted to talk about hybrid children um so during my exploration uh early on in the days i started to hear about uh, this was before the channeling phenomenon. I started to interview contactees and talk to people who'd been on the ships. And many, many, many of these contactees who weren't necessarily spiritual or didn't have, uh, didn't really go into the channeling phenomenon at all. That wasn't their thing. But they all had similar stories talking about how they were uh, on board ships, interacting with their children, their hybrid children, teaching them things or showing them how things work here on earth and going deeper into that subject later uh, i started asking in the channeling world um, these different people who channel these different beings and all of these beings talked about the same thing they all said that yes hybrid children do exist and that people uh, on, are taken in the ships taken to the ships um, usually at night or sometimes in dreams, and they're working with their children to uh, prepare them for uh, coming to Earth. Sounds like a far out there wild story, I know, but uh, when you start talking to enough people and you start seeing the synchronicities, uh, you really have to kind of say, okay, something's going on here. And uh, the way I've interpreted it now is if you look at what is, we, there's many different aspects of this phenomenon and using the hybrid children aspect, uh, let's sort of dissect that a little bit. Um, for, the, for many of these contactees, it is a very visceral, real experience. They are having this experience, no doubt. I don't doubt it at all. Uh, at this point, because I've talked to so many people about it, and uh, and I personally have also had a connection to uh, my own hybrid child through um, actually through the plant medicine work and through dreams. And what he told me, uh, my son, is he doesn't exist it's it's okay he exists but he doesn't ex he doesn't have to exist and this is where things get a little complicated uh this is kind of like the double slit experiment the um the famous uh you know quantum experiment where the observation effect if you see it uh it can or a particle could be a wave or um it can act as a wave or it can act as a uh what's the word i'm looking for as a particle um the collapsing the wave function uh, that that whole idea is uh basically if you look at it it exists and that was kind of this this example in the sam the sample that he gave me is if i decide to put my attention there then it's real and this is where, yes, Joe Dispenza makes this work very clear, exactly. Um, 
And this is where our beliefs, thoughts, and emotions are so critical to creating the reality we, we uh, desire. And we forget this. If we, if I, if, if, if I basically what, what the messages I got from my child, I know this sounds crazy, but is he said, if you don't focus on me, I'm not going to die. If that makes sense. Um, he's going to exist in another parallel timeline and another version of me. It might be interacting with him, but he doesn't have to exist in this reality and I'm not killing him or destroying him or, uh, or anything nefarious by not putting my attention there, by focusing somewhere else. He still exists in, in another um, space-time continuum. And if I decide to focus there, then I can, make, I can make that connection and perhaps someday manifest him into this reality. Uh, there's a lot of different things that I believe that would go into manifesting that reality as far as collective beliefs um, and I, the, the whole idea, and this is part of why I'm doing the show, is to put this information out there even more. To, in a sense, I'm doing my seed work by interviewing uh, all of these different channelers and getting this information out. So the collective can then become more uh, accepting of the idea of hybrid children. And maybe one day when we can all uh, agree and be okay with that sort of idea, then we can start manifesting physically these children into our reality. And how would that show up? Well, just like this contact work that I described this past weekend, um, when you get enough people with like minds, start to um, call in the children, so to say, then they can actually probably start to manifest in uh, different ways from um, coming through the fog in the forest or actual ships dropping them off uh, and these kinds of things. So I hope that, I hope I'm going, so I hope I'm getting to uh, this idea of hybrid children and how it can manifest for some people and it can just be a complete silly fairy tale for others. Um, so, and that's using that, that's like with everything. That's with the unicorns and the fairies and everything else. For some people, fairies are very real. They talk to them daily. They interact with them. Um, we see some of our animals can, can, uh, can do that as well. And, uh, you know, I believe it's a very real world. I believe there's fairies in our backyard. Um, we have fairy circles and we can see physical manifestations um, in a sort of naturistic way to then support this idea of through this other, uh, maybe through another dimension and a different lens, we can see these, these, the actual fairies and the actual um, reality of what they're, what's going on. Uh, we have lots of movies that sort of go, go about this, that go into that. Um, so I'm just going to read some of the comments I'm getting. Uh, here we go. Third dimension, fourth, is it like an outline, for example, a lizard and an insect? Yes, okay, so another great way to make contact is through everything we have on this planet, nature, and just talking about the fairies and talking about um, uh, insects and birds and these types of things. So 
what I've discovered and learned through these interviews is that um, all of the beings here on planet, on the planet, cats, dogs, animals, trees, insects, there is a higher dimensional version of, of those beings. Uh, let's take the praying mantis as an example. So the praying mantis, and we've, we hear in our uh, ufology lore that, the, that of these mantis beings, and I've had a visitation from, uh, from a, few, a few times. And um, they kind of look like mant uh, praying mantis, and that's why they're just known, we classify them as, as mantis beings. And what I've been told and what I've experienced is that we can actually use the physical uh, mantis, praying mantis, as a uh, tool to actually connect to the higher dimensional version of them. And this goes with all of the other insects and everything else in our reality is that we can use any of those things as a tool. Cats, if you are a cat owner, um, I have a new cat that I'm connecting with. And <clears throat> cats, dogs, uh, cats seem to be very multidimensional. I might be a little biased because I have a cat right now. But um, <laughs> you can actually use them and connect with their energy to connect to a higher greater uh, version of them, just like we have sort of our higher selves in higher dimensions that uh, we interact, you know, uh, Daryl who channels Bashar and Wendy channel the Palladians, um, also uh, uh, Lisa who channels Sasha, the Palladian. These are all aspects of, of her or them uh, from other dimensional realms and they're able to connect to. Uh, somebody asked about Roxy. Yes, she's connecting to all kinds of different versions of herself. And we can use anything as a, as a tool to, uh, to make that connection. And in fact, we are connecting uh, to higher dimensional beings, just not aware of it uh, as, as we uh, are looking at the fairy circles and seeing the growth of how the, um, the uh, plant life may grow in a specific way. Well, we call those fairy circles because in another dimension, the actual uh, fairies are doing some cool things there. And there's bleed throughs in these different realities where they are uh, fueling that, uh, that, that portal was maybe a little bit thinner in that spot. Um, and we can connect to those to those areas. And that's why I was talking about using ley lines and other things to connect to these other realms. So there's all kinds of things we can use to connect these higher dimensional realms. Um, in fact, we're doing it, we're just doing it unconsciously. And part of this third, fourth dimension, what's more of a third, I call it densities. And if you've watched the show, we've gone deep into understanding densities. And densities is sort of, uh, the way I see it is dimensions is more of a uh, sort of a space and time um, understanding or a perception of space and time where densities would be a, um, a label for different levels of consciousness. So we as humans are third density moving into the fourth. We're sort of in a transition period right now and uh, 
Rob has a great saying. He says the densities correlate with the chakra points. So we just think of us moving from sort of our solar plexus into our heart, and we can use this uh, tool and uh, and sort of know that you know we used to. I know when I was a kid, we used to say, "I've got a gut feeling uh, that something's off," and now naturally we're just saying, oh, "My heart says." You know, so this is sort of a, a, a a way to understand that there is an evolution happening from the um, from the solar plex chakra into the heart. Now, everything else, as we evolve, everything else simultaneously is evolving in these different states of consciousness. For example, our um, our plants and or our animals would be more of a second density consciousness and moving into the third density. So we can see how uh, that is developing through uh, all the many cat videos and dog videos on the internet and how uh, a lot of these animals are starting to form um, egos. And I say that not in a negative way, but they're starting to form um, personalities and have all kinds of things that maybe back in the day, animals probably didn't have as many, as many maybe it's because we have the internet and we can put a, a a lens on these things, but personally, I never saw as many uh, unique um, individual plant or animals um, as I do now. And we're starting to see different interactions of animals. They're they're letting their walls down as far as uh, the their. Uh, if you see all these animals interacting with each other, I don't think that happened before. Um, so different species of animals are, are sort of caretaking for each other. And we can see that that reality, those, those, the animal kingdom is also leveling up. We're leveling up. Plants, as we uh, elevate, we can then communicate with plants in a, a more cohesive way because their uh, um, frequency is also raising and they're shifting into more of a uh, third density um, consciousness in the minerals and the rocks. And we're seeing this with um, crystals and how we're starting to communicate uh, with crystals uh, more and more. And actually, uh, you know, crystal skulls, a lot of people have experiences with, with those. I've interacted with some myself. And we're seeing this entire evolution happening, this big evolutionary jump that's starting to happen right now uh, as we're going through this ascension process, some people like to label or um, transition, uh, basically going from third to fourth density. Um, so the dimensions, as, we as our consciousness expands and our awareness uh, expands, so does our perception of reality. And that's where we get to see uh, the expansion of dimensions going from, say, fourth to fifth dimension. We're in a fourth, fourth dimensional, um, you know, uh, Einstein and everybody says there are four dimensions uh, in our reality, um, sort of the X, Y, Z, and the um, and then space-time. So if you guys, you know, I forget which is which, but uh, so I probably got those out of order, but basically, um, space-time being the fourth component, space and time being interact in, interconnected and you can't pull one out from the other. As we're expanding our consciousness, we're starting to uh, get into a non-linear way of seeing things. Um, or, 
I should say not seeing things, experiencing things. So um, th this is why many of the ETs and other beings can sort of traverse um, space and time is because they're not bound by a linear sense of time. And as we move into these higher densities, our uh, awareness and understanding of how space and time works becomes more fluid. And, uh, and we're seeing this with inventions like time crystals that uh, it's like a perpetual motion thing that uh, basically is, is, what were they saying? It's like a, a new state of matter and it can, uh, it can do all kinds of crazy things, basically bending our understanding of linear time. Uh, so these are all, the, all of these examples are, are, are starting to pop up as we evolve and I'm seeing constantly daily new discoveries, new things um, that are just proving that we're uh, moving very rapidly. And I'm just gonna go to the questions now. Um, so in your experience with your hybrid child and the program that facilitated charity come, do you feel that your free will has been influenced or violated in any way? Or do you recall your decision to choose and participate in the So, great question. Um, I, don't, I, I guess everybody can see the question. So uh, this is from an anonymous attendee. Uh, so the, the idea of the free will being um, influenced or violated, I would say no, because um, one, there's an aspect of me that agreed to that interaction. Uh, what inspired the show interview with Ed uh, was my talking with Wendy Kennedy back in, I think, 2013 or so. Uh, I used to ha hold ET. Uh, oh, you can't see other questions. Okay. Well, then I should read it out loud again. Um, in your experience with your hybrid child and the program that facilitated the child to come to be, do you feel that your free will has been influenced or violated in any way, or do you recall your decision to choose to, to participate in the hybridization program? So, um, so back to the story with Wendy Kennedy. So, and then then this will answer this. So. Um, I used to have these uh, ET media meetup meetings at my office in the marina. I had a motion capture studio, visual effects studio, and I had a large space. So uh, the first Tuesday of the month, we invited people in the industry to come over and hang out. And we had special guests and we talked about ETs. It was a fun time. And uh, Wendy Kennedy showed up. Uh, started becoming a regular Daryl. This is before I even knew Wendy was a channeler. Daryl Anko was a channeler. Uh, Nora Harold. They all came to these meetings. Little did I know that they were these famous channelers. Uh, I was talking with Wendy one one night after we we wrapped, and um, she told me at the time the most fascinating thing. I was talking to her about um, abductions, and she said, "Well, uh, it's a soul contract." And when she said that, the light bulb went off and it seemed to fill in all of the gaps for all of the questions that I had about, about the abduction phenomenon. And uh, so basically, what is a soul contract? So from my understanding from going into this, 
is that going into the show is that prior to our incarnations uh, on this planet, we have a, we make agreements with other species, other versions of ourselves, other dimensional realms uh, that we are going to we sort of like have a life review before we go into our life, right? So we say, this is the roadmap, we're gonna travel. Um, obviously, we, it could go this way or that way. There's many forks in the road, but uh, we sort of agree to allow our bodies to be used for these certain types of experimentations. Um, and then uh, that soul, that idea of a soul contract is, is just that, is that prior to our incarnation, we're going to uh, allow this to happen. Now, uh, we then incarnate into this reality, we forget everything that we, we knew before, and we start sort of start from scratch, and we're going through this reality, uh, making our choices, doing our thing, and all of a sudden, some of us realize we're on ships and uh, are, you know, if you're a female, your eggs are taken. If you're a male, your semen's taken. And uh, it's being used to, in these uh, genetic experiments, to um, sort of create hybridized uh, children. Crazy. But um, just like my hybrid child told to me, it's something that we can choose to, in a sense, ignore. Um, the people who don't, who, who seem to can't choose to ignore it, it's my belief that subconsciously there is something there that they need to look at, that they need to uh, um, go deep in to understand. And usually all the people that I've talked to that have gone inward and done some sort of um, spiritual work that they come to terms to these experiences, come to terms in the sense that it was a soul contract, that it was not um, against their will. And uh, some folks like Kim Carlsberg, famous abductee who, had, who used to work, uh, she was the co-creator of Baywatch. Um, she had horrific experiences for a long, long time. And then she said, I don't want this to happen anymore. I'm done with this. And she just literally commanded it to stop and it stopped. A lot of times we forget how much power we have. Uh, we think we are the victims of certain things and uh, we let these things happen to us until we say enough is enough and simply command it to stop. And I've talked to many, many abductees, people who uh, had sort of negative experiences. And when they said, no more, I'm done, it stopped. So I don't think they, I don't think the, these programs, I don't think the people being taken, it is against their will. I know a lot of people may disagree with me, but uh, perhaps they haven't fully uh, engaged their uh, power of, sort of incantation or, uh, or demanding uh, if they really wanted to stop or, um, or other people who, who it's constantly happening to are actually uh, invoking that kind of thing and, and wanting it to. So after my experience with the child, I sort of took that as, okay, I understand, thank you. Um, and I've toyed with the idea and I've made, um, I've opened that door a little bit here and there 
but right now just with my life and what's going on i'm like i can't have i can't handle a hybrid child right now so guess what i haven't had any contact um unless i invite it in unless i say okay i, I want to make the the connection and let's do that um and then then i can do that so hopefully that answers that question um where are we seeing more and more So mantis beans. Um, let's see what other questions we have. Okay, this is sort of related to the last one. Let's go here first. Is it possible that we go through this lifetime without having conscious knowing or contact with our hybrid children or ETs that we are being working with unconsciously? Absolutely. Uh, I I was having contact without knowing it until I did the, uh, the interview with uh, Bridget Nielsen and she helped bring that child out. And then at that time, I was very skeptical. I was like, this can't, this is kind of, no, I don't know. And then she, she brought him out. And then I went into a meditation um, and sure enough, I did make the connection. And then I, as I was making the connection, uh, it's funny how, how it unfolded. When I started making that connection, I literally started having memories, past memories of times in my life where, for example, my mom had mentioned that she had been taken um, when she was young and that I'd completely forgotten. And then I reached out to her and she's like, oh yeah, I did. Yeah, I did have something, but I, she kind of forgot. And I realized that if you open that door and if it's something that you want to pursue, in a sense, we will create the history. We will start to move into the vibrational frequency timeline that, that occurred. So to validate the reality for us even more. So it it's, goes back to, you know, what are your beliefs? What are your thoughts and your emotions? They're creating the now reality, which then connects you to a different version, a different past than where you are right now.